everyone, and welcome to the show. This is ReleaseCast by ReleaseJobs.io. And uh, in the first episode, we have uh, both your hosts, me, Harry, and Pras. Hey, everyone. And for kicking off uh, the show, in the first episode, we're going to talk about uh, cloud cost optimization, uh, which is a very interesting topic. In the past few years, more and more businesses are using cloud services compared to a more traditional data center where the cost is more static. You buy a number of servers and you know what you're paying for. In the cloud, you have much more services and the billing can become much more complicated. Uh, so I had a discussion with Pras and he was telling me how in an old job of his, he managed to bring down the monthly bill from 40K to 6K. And I thought this is really interesting. We should definitely dive into it. So Pras, do you want to introduce us the project? Give us an idea what the platform you were working on was looking like? The company was actually based in London and it was a telecommunications-based company. So the best way for me to describe it to you is just think of it as a competitor to Twilio. When I initially started with the firm, they were actually uh, running on-prem on a few dedicated servers. And the software stack was actually built using a combination of PHP, a little bit in Java. They had a few different services such as front-facing APIs and a few processes which consumed messages from the queuing system. And finally, they had a MySQL data store. So something quite standard and um, quite simple, as I would say. Okay, you mentioned that uh... The application was initially hosted on-prem and then it was moved into the cloud. Was it at that point that you started looking at the cost after the migration has been done? Yes, that's actually that was actually the trigger point. So um, what actually happened was um, the company decided to move from dedicated servers over to AWS and host on the cloud. They had two expectations from this. The first expectation was that then the current bill would be reduced. So they wouldn't need to fork out any additional capital in order to purchase hardware. They could pretty much just rent it whenever they needed it. And secondly, they would expect that by moving over to this, they would be able to scale a lot more efficiently. So the company was doing, was actually doing, well, this happened during its growth phase. Um, so they wanted a solution which would just enable them to add more resources by, um, sort of just throwing a bit of extra capital onto it. So those were the two expectations. However, what actually happened was when when they actually moved over to, to AWS, the bill increased and that's when they realized that they had um, a serious underlying issue that needed to be resolved. And that was actually the point where I joined the company. Okay, that all sounds really interesting. Uh, now, you know, in AWS, you have so, so many services. So when it comes down to analyzing the actual cost, it can be a bit overwhelming. Uh, so can you walk us through uh, how you started approaching uh, this problem of printing down the cost? Certainly. So um, I think the first thing that I should make clear is the whole project was separated into sort of three different phases. So we didn't get the the, the reduction initially from, from just one piece of work, we had to sort of separate the three big pieces of, of work. In addition to that, that was also done back in 2013, if my memory is correct. And the tools that we have available these days, and also some of the more mature tools that AWS provides, such as the, the Cost Explorer, um, weren't as advanced or 
had as many features as it did today. So it was slightly different back in 2013. What I actually ended up doing was for the first phase, I, I sort of sat down with the team and tried to get an understanding of what resource, what services were provisioned, what was actually being utilized and what, what was not being utilized. So as simple as this might sound, but actually understanding what resources developers are using helps a lot. So for example, with this particular business, what happened was when they moved over from, from the dedicated instances over to the cloud, they migrate services that weren't being utilized. Um, these services were essentially different instances that were spawned up in a QA environment that we used to test integrations with different um, telco providers. So by eliminating those unused services and freeing up some resources, that helped bring the bill down. In addition to that, we also observed that they were actually running a MySQL instance um, using EC2. What we ended up doing was actually migrating that over to RDS, and that was beneficial um, in two aspects. Firstly, from a financial and monetary aspect where bill was reduced, and secondly, from a management aspect where, where we would have to spend less time managing a MySQL server. We were a small team at the time, and we had other priorities and other more interesting stuff that we would have rather picked up than the managing a MySQL server. And finally, to sort of wrap up the, the first phase, which was which is what I classify as a quick win phase, was basically reserving the instances that were currently being utilized. So that managed to, to bring the cost down. Again, it didn't bring the cost down from 40K over to 6K, but it did, it did help quite a bit. Okay, all these things sound like a good first step towards optimizing uh, your cost. Uh, but from what you uh, mentioned, the big change in the build didn't come for these changes, but probably for something else. And like, do, do you want to walk us through through that? Certainly, yes. Yeah. So after we wrapped up the first phase, we started looking at why the software was basically using so much resources. Now, to, to sort of make a long story short, we ended up rewriting the, the entire software stack. So what we did was we rewrote all of it using Python. We had, like I said previously, we had a few front-facing APIs. Those were built using Flask. And the reason we chose Flask was we needed something that was minimal, something that was quick, and something that was not as heavyweight as Django. Um, however, we did also end up using Django for a few customer-facing portals. We replaced the the queuing engine by RabbitMQ at the time. And in addition to all these changes, we also introduced a MongoDB cluster, which worked actually really, really well for our particular use case. We still kept the MySQL um, instance on RDS running. And uh, yes, so pretty much by rewriting the software, we noticed the, that's where we noticed the biggest advantages in terms of cost-saving came. I should also add that when the initial software was built, it wasn't built in a way for it to be distributed. Um, it was built in such a way for it to be scaling vertically, which was the reason why the costs were so inefficient before. And essentially by rewriting the software, we took advantage of AWS's modern infrastructure and we were able to build something that would, um, that would scale horizontally as opposed to vertically. So, um, so yeah, that was pretty much where the big savings came from. Okay, um, you mentioned uh, how your application um, 
used to scale uh, vertically and you re-engineer that into scaling horizontally. I want to understand a bit better um, the scaling requirements of the application. Were you using some specific metrics to scale with? Were you utilizing the Amazon auto scaling groups? Do you want to walk us through and explain us how you decided to re-engineer how your application was scaling up? Yes, definitely. So um, I think that's a good question and we should sort of separate it into, into two answers. So there's one answer, which is very simple. And we used auto scaling groups for, for the front facing APIs. And that was, that just worked really well. However, we needed, in order for us to scale the, the workers, we needed to sort of build our own orchestrator. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that and the company's requirements. So essentially the way this company sort of worked was they had the philosophy of quick in, quick out. And that's essentially how they used to, um, they used to compete with other guys like Twilio, where they could, they could provide the higher form of, um, of throughput. So what we actually ended up doing was because the workers were running using a demonized service and they used to consume messages from the queuing system. We thought that the best way for us to understand whether we needed additional capacity was by observing the metrics on, on RabbitMQ. So essentially we came up with a ratio which compared the amount of messages that were in the queue versus the amount of messages that were being consumed from the queue. And when that threshold reached a certain trigger point, we would know whether we needed additional capacity in order to process those messages or we needed or we had too much capacity currently running and we could sort of scale down. So the auto scaling groups for this particular reason didn't work because we actually required custom metrics and we wrote our own form of an orchestrator which managed all the demonized services and pretty much had a very good idea of what workers were online, whether they were active or whether we were frozen and also had the ability to spawn up additional instances the way we actually spawned up additional instances was quite different to the traditional method that we used with um, with the auto scaling groups. So with the workers, what we had to do was we had to keep the servers on what I would say standby mode, which essentially means there were EC2 instances that had were fully built, but they were switched off. What we ended up doing was when that ratio or that threshold for that ratio was was triggered, our orchestrator would literally switch on the, the standby instance. And as soon as the instance would be switched on, it would start consuming messages from the queue. Now, I am aware that this is not very cost efficient because uh, we've actually got the instances um, on standby mode and we're paying for the EBS volumes. However, based on the business's requirements of being able to process messages as quickly as possible, this is the combination that sort of worked best for us. And also it provided those cost savings in comparison to, to the previous system. I imagine writing your own orchestrator uh, is not uh, that easy, but at the same time, what you did allowed you to meet your uh, unique requirements. Uh, if you had to do this today, would you write again your own orchestrator and would you use something else? If I had to redo it today, I would I would probably stick this uh, on EKS and I would uh, be running Kubernetes because essentially Kubernetes is running the orchestrator for us. It just prevents us from reinventing the wheel. Okay, so 
uh, you talked a lot about uh, how you make changes in the infrastructure layer to uh, bring down the cost and then how to have to re-engineer the application layer to bring down the cost even further. I want to ask you, after these two phases, did you put anything, any measures in place to ensure that the application was running in a cost-efficient way? Uh, yes, yeah, so essentially what phase three was, uh, was pretty much going over phase one again. So because the, the application layer was rewritten and it was rewritten in a very efficient way, we were actually in a situation where the instances that were reserved were over-reserved and we actually needed a lot less base capacity because we could handle, I think it was double the volume and we were nowhere close to, to paying what we were paying before. Um, so essentially what we did was after the software was rewritten, we fixed all the bugs and we had a good understanding of what sort of horsepower it required. We were able to deduce and work out how many instances we needed to reserve and we essentially reserved those instances. Again, if the company needed to scale, we could always take advantage of our standby instances. Okay, so you mentioned something that piqued my attention, which was the fact that you reserved capacity. And um, I want to ask you if you considered something as using something like spot instances, which is also another cheap way to run compute? Yeah, actually. So we were aware of um, the spot instances, but for this particular use case in this company, it wouldn't really work. Like I said previously, the philosophy was sort of quick in, quick out. So we found that by actually keeping the instances on standby mode and just paying for the EBS volumes, which would work out more expensive than paying for spot instance, um, that combination worked perfectly fine, yet it had an additional premium, but the company was happy to pay for that additional premium because those messages would go up in a lot faster rate as opposed to building the AMIs from scratch and launching them up that way, the way spot instances work. Okay, uh, I think we covered um, a lot of ground today and this is a good amount of information for our listeners. Closing down this episode, Pras, do you have to... Do you have any advice, any tips uh, for people who are embarking now in this journey of optimizing uh, their cloud cost? Yes, yeah, certainly. So there's a couple of things that come to my head in practice. The first one is to take advantage of your provider's um, cost-saving plans if they have any. So for example, with AWS, back in the day, you could reserve instances. Now they've introduced a savings plan, which I believe works out um, a lot better. Secondly, if you're on AWS as well, you should definitely take advantage of using lambdas. Um, they're very easy to set up. They're very easy to develop on. And most importantly, they can always help you with that additional capacity that your application might require. And finally, what I would suggest everyone to do is have a look at how your application is developed because that's when I've noticed with this particular project where we've got significant amount of savings um, the application needs to be developed in such a way so that it understands how it's housed and the infrastructure that's supporting it. If you understand how those two components link together and how they function together, that's where you're going to really experience the, the, the significant cost savings. Definitely. Um, really good tips uh, there, Pras. And as you said, having a hard look at your application and realizing that... <laughs> This is not scaling efficiently and we need to change it. Uh, it's always a great step in the right direction. Cool, I think that should be all for today. Mm-hmm.